I'm SP from Better Podcasting, a show dedicated to help make your podcast better. And it is part of the Get a Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other insightful and wonderful geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You are listening to the Starling Tribune, a podcast dedicated to the Arrow TV show. I am the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow has entered through the front door. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, situations, and stories are the properties of Time Warner. I am the Oracle, and this is your Tribune. Welcome back to Earth 2's last newspaper, the Starling Tribune, now broadcasting from an Earth 1 shelter, RIP Earth 2. I am the chief editor, SP, and your other award-winning reporters that no longer have their awards because we didn't get to take them in the evacuation for this episode number 253 of the Starling Tribune are Chris. Take as much time as you need to be upset. No, no, really. It's okay. Oh, that was, that was lovely. Theo was just like, ha ha, yeah, I, yeah, whatever, Oliver. And he's like, no, no, seriously. <laughs> and Michelle. Looks like you're down one evil companion. Oliver didn't have the herbs to prevent himself from being drugged. He needs his chest back, guys. He needs the chest. That might help. This podcast is recorded on Thursday, October 31st, 2019. Happy Halloween, belatedly, to everyone. We are recording this live on www.geeks.live. That's right, and on this spooky evening, we'll be discussing Arrow, as well as news, interviews, articles, and announcements that have dropped in the past week that could, and let's be honest, will impact future episodes of Arrow as well as the other shows in this universe. That includes The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Constantine, Batwoman, you name it, they're probably making a show for it. If you're new to the show, thank you for searching us out on the internet and joining us. After the show, you can check out our content at gonnageek.com, where you can also find other geeky videos, podcasts, and articles. Thanks for helping out with the intro, guys. Michelle, why don't we just go ahead and go into the episode for this week? This episode is called Leap of Faith. It's season eight, episode three. It aired Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. It was directed by Katie Cassidy. That is right, Laurel herself. This is her first directing credit. So congratulations, Katie. I think you did a good job. We'll talk about that. And it was written by Emilia Ortega Aldrich, who's written 17 episodes of Arrow, and Elizabeth Kim, who's written four episodes of Arrow. This episode this week was aired in a week with all five currently airing shows it started off on sunday the 27th of october with batwoman's fourth episode who are you to a live rating of 1.29 followed by supergirl's fourth episode of the fifth season titled in plain sight to a live rating of 0.95 and honestly when i'm looking at the two episodes it's definitely my opinion that batwoman should be the higher rated show of the two now, on Monday, the 28th of October, Black Lightning aired the fourth episode of their third season, The Book of Occupation, Chapter 4, Lynn's Arborose, whatever, however you say it, anyway, to a live rating of 0.52 million, and I hate to say it, this occupation thing just is not working for the show. On Tuesday, the 29th of October, Flash aired the fourth episode of the sixth season, There Will Be Blood, to a live rating of one point. Four, eight, some teary moments there, and followed by this episode of Arrow, 
to a live rating of 0.76, slightly up, I believe, from last week. And honestly, the actual walk down memory lane with Oliver is worth it, but we'll talk about the full episode here in a second. You guys have any heartburn about any of the ratings for this week, up or down, that sort of thing, Michelle? Flash is still holding strong. It's actually up from the previous week. Batwoman is still holding strong. Supergirl did a little bit tick up. Black Lightning, that is a big plunge for it, which I know there's the app views, but for it to continuously go down in live views, it means its core audience is either leaving the show or just waiting to watch it later. I think being on Monday by itself is not doing it any favors either. And competing with Monday Night Football. I'll admit the new suit is pretty cool when it comes down to it, but that's like the coolest thing about the show. And when that's the coolest thing about the show, you're lacking in story. It's just the occupation. And I, I don't think anybody's really interested in it. I don't know if they miscalculated or if they were forced into the storyline because of crisis or something. I don't know, but it is what it is. We'll keep tabs on it and we'll keep going and we'll get to crisis. And we know black lightning is going to be in crisis. I don't think any of the other characters are going to be in crisis, but we'll see when the time comes. Anyway, we are going to move into the discussion with this episode of Arrow Leap of Faith. And we often talk about the theme of the episode relating to the title because the creative team does a really good job of titling the episodes in Arrow. So, Michelle, what do you got for us? What does Leap of Faith mean? To me, it means putting trust in each other. And you have William telling Mia that you can trust me. I know you're worried about me, but I can do my hackety hackety thing. And I got this Lila telling John that, yeah, I'm going to be a distraction and I'm going to put my life in danger, but I can do this. I got this. And of course we have Thea telling Oliver, I am a trained assassin. Stop telling me to stay at camp. I got this. So I think it's a lot of people saying you can trust me. I got this. Also, I like the double entendre with the mountain that Oliver took the leap off of way back when, when he had his sword fight with Ra's al Ghul. So I liked that version of the Leap of Faith as well. Anyway, Michelle, where do you want to go with this episode? We have to talk about Thea. I loved it. We knew Oliver was going to Nando Parbat. We knew Thea was after the Lazarus pit, but we really weren't too sure if that was done or not. And there's Oliver, and all of a sudden, there comes someone from behind. He's catching an arrow, and then they're attacking him, and, and then they fight, and then all of a sudden, he's just like, speedy. And she's like, Ollie. It was just amazing. And did anyone notice he called her speedy throughout the episode? Guess he did. Yeah. As I'm thinking back on, I don't recall him saying Thea, so yeah. Did he say Thea at all? I don't remember. But yeah, I, I heard Speedy and Speedy's a call back to the endearing name way back from season one. So yeah, I, I was fine with it. I think there's a lot of callbacks going on in these episodes. Obviously, we've done the island. We've done Hong Kong. We're now doing the Raza Gould and the League of Assassins, now League of Heroes. So yeah, we've gotten all this. I'm fine with it. I am actually fine with it. And they're doing a good job. Now, is it the most 
riveting thing ever. No, but it's just, this is season eight. This is a callback. This is the curtain call. This is them saying thank you to the audience that have stuck with them this whole time. And it is them getting Oliver to crisis, which is a big thing. Also on the flash, getting Barry to crisis is a big thing. So yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the speedy. I liked how it really tied up a few things. First off, we know Roy went back to her and basically told her what he did and is like on, I guess, a walkabout. Nissa's in Thailand. And then we have the Thanatos Guild show up. And then we had Talia. I know you guys were talking about it and wanting it and noting, is she going to come? Is she going to come? And we knew Nissa, the woman playing her, is off being on Hawaii Five O. Congratulations. But the fact that we got Talia and we got that great moment between Thea and Talia, not only with the fight, which is amazing, but we got that League of Heroes, which is the spinoff I want to see. I was really hoping they were going to say that Nyssa was in Hawaii, not Thailand, just as a nice little (laughs) wink and nod to the fact that the actor is in Hawaii now. And I have been watching these episodes after they aired and on my DVR with YouTube TV. I have to watch on-demand commercials, so I don't actually get the actual commercials there or the episode previews. So I went into this episode blind, not even knowing that Talia was in it. So when she appeared, and I don't know if you guys saw previews or not for it, but when she appeared, I was on screen like, holy crap, it's Talia. I was not expecting this. And it was a legitimate shocked moment, which is really strange because I'm a creature of the internet who likes to read the dirt sheets about what's coming and what's not. And I had no clue whatsoever that she was in this episode. And it was just kind of an awesome feeling to get surprised like that. I watched the preview. I don't remember seeing Talia. I remember seeing Thea, but I don't remember seeing Talia. And I was hoping, was just hoping to get a Katrina Law cameo as well. And there is still hope. I still have hope that they brought her in for a scene or two for Crisis, realizing that logistics involve the fact that she's a main character on another main show on a network yeah i get all that but i just i want to see katrina law just one last time they could green screen something theoretically i mean we've talked about with other stuff before and i think the best example is in spider-man far from home when uh, jk simmons appears they filmed everything he did in front of a green screen in an office in the marvel building in new york city so he was nowhere near the set for production anything like that you can do green screen stuff for tv it's going to be slightly expensive but it's crisis or just give her a skype call in i don't know here's the thing with nissa she's action she's now an action hero so you need to have her in an action fight or something like that you can't do a green screen with her i mean here's what they can do is they can just keep the uh, nissa's characters back to everything or hair conveniently obstructing her face so you have no idea that it's not actually katrina law there and when it comes to doing voiceover or audio work then you could always potentially leverage green screen stuff i would love to see her come back for crisis but it's not a cheap nor quick flight from hawaii to vancouver it's quicker than you think it's west coast to hawaii it's not that long it's not like the east coast to hawaii i mean and cbs and cw are sister networks for lack of a better term they're all under the same house so i guess they might be able to make some kind of agreement there who knows Right. And I'll be fine with Talia. I have every thought that Talia and Thea are coming back for crisis. They just set it up way too cool. 
I think all of these little drop-ins of people we've seen before, they're saying they'll have to have some kind of appearance in some way, shape, or form in Crisis, even if it's only they're on screen for a few seconds to get killed or something like that. Because, let's be honest, I don't think China White's going to get a huge role in Crisis. Now, if this was their curtain call, if this was it, I'm happy with the allusion to the League of Heroes and their future endeavors together. I'm fine with that, but I just see it like why not you've been part of this universe for so long you have all these other names coming into crisis why not money it's all a matter of whether they can negotiate to bring folks back that's more of what it is than anything else here i think that's fair i'm just happy we saw thea i missed her so much and the way oliver was with her i loved how she was just you know cut the bull ollie what are you hiding just tell me it was like these two actors weren't apart for all that time. They just had that instant like brother-sister chemistry again. I think the two actors have always clicked together very well on screen, and time does not seem to have changed that. I loved the scene that they had on the rock in the middle of the mountain. I mean, they didn't show them getting up there or anything, and it was probably a green screen, but they're there on a ledge in the middle of the mountain, so they had to climb up there to get up there or whatever. And they just had a, a really cool moment. Like, this is the last family moment we're going to get. Oliver is heading off to his death, he thinks, probably, supposedly, we'll see. And this is the last true family member he has alive. And it was just great seeing the two of them basically having a brother-sister moment and realizing that they have grown up, that everything around them has changed, that what their parents did made them the people that they are today, made them the heroes that they are today. And they just finally got a chance to have that last bonding moment because we're not going to see Thea again. And if we see her in crisis, that's great, but we're not going to see her again before then. I would be shocked if she appeared in some way, shape, or form before crisis. I'm pretty sure she's going to be in the final episodes. But probably not before. And you, we don't know how Oliver's goodbye is going to go yet. So you just you don't know how much time that they're going to have to spend together. That, I mean, that last hug was meaningful because Oliver really needs some support right now. And he's thinking he's going to go to his death. Thea is not sure, but she just knows that he needs that support. So she gives it to him. I know. I have to admit, I almost started to cry during that scene. Like, Who's going to stop hugging first? Let's just do it together. And I almost thought they were going to do one, two, three, you know, that lethal weapon moment. Okay. Is it on three or is it one, two, three, then go or whatever. Well, we had a Kaznia storyline with Lila and John. Lila had John not go to Nando Parbat, but go with her because Ben Turner's family is in danger. They got kidnapped by the son of the guy that Ben Turner killed in order to save Lila. Anyway, there was a lot of dots. We got Lila and John being Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I loved it. It was fun. I'm a little tainted on Lila because of the whole Harbinger and her relationship with the Monitor, so I'm always wondering what sort of ulterior motive is behind what she's doing. But aside from that, you're right. It, this was a Mr. and Mrs. Smith moment that they were able to have to each other. They're operatives. They're out in the field and they're dealing with it right now. And to keep with the theme of the episode, they're bonding with the relationships in the final. And I watched this back to back with Flash. So I got that same feeling from Flash. So kudos on CW for having the same feeling for both episodes that they aired on Tuesday night. 
I think we got this because we wanted to make sure, again, we got Ben Turner's son, Connor, because when we go to the future, we have the Deathstrokes are trying to ruin the unification between the Glades and Star City in order to take over everything, because, you know, why not? And Mia's plan is to just storm the castle. It's very Oliver-esque. Very. Like, damn everything else. We're just going to go in and we're going to take them by surprise because we know the layout of the place now. Like, what? You're still fighting the same skilled people. Damn the torpedoes. Full speed ahead. Uh, Like, Mia, I appreciate the effort here and the gusto, but I think you should probably think about that setting the trap thing that everybody else was thinking about. She hasn't really had to think strategically on a lot of this kind of stuff, though. It's something we also saw with Oliver. It kind of took him a little while to grow into uh, using the theatricality and deception that the League of Shadows talks about in, like, the Batman movies. And, you know, more strategic planning than, I'm just going to use the brute force method. So, it's a step towards learning. She learned a harsh lesson about what a lack of planning can do this week. I think Harsh is understanding. I was going to go into it. It was heartbreaking. This I did not see this ending coming. I thought that the future flash forwards, I thought the core people were going to stay together until they got to the spinoff that's coming up here. And I was shocked at what happened at the end. I, I was literally like, no way you did not do that. I'm thinking of it from a story perspective. I'm not really that endeared to Zoe as a character, but I was just thinking that, wow, this brings gravitas immediately to the flash forwards that I didn't think were going to be there. And I don't know if it made me care anymore with the flash forwards, especially with what happened like almost right afterwards, but it brought that story into focus. It just kind of sucks. It took three episodes a season to get there. And let's also acknowledge that Crisis is coming, which can pretty much be used to reboot and reset many different things. So while she died now, it doesn't necessarily mean that death is going to stick post-crisis. Yeah, because I'm still hoping that we get Sarah Diggle back. Well, I mean, and there's rumors the actor that plays Zoe is still on set as they're filming things right now, so... Good. Thank you for that little spoiler. I appreciate it, because I was like, (laughs) no way! That sucks! Supposedly, she was in the cast for Canaries also. I don't know. That's the rumors. SB thumbs up. I just wish, like, I feel like I know William. And I really think the actor who's playing William is taking what little things that he's been given and has been running with it. I really feel as though I know William. But Mia, I don't think it's the actor's fault. I don't think she's been given enough besides here's a bow be the season one version of your dad i just kind of wish there was a little bit more to her because i want to connect to them it's like okay they're in the present now but it was it's just i mean i care but i I just wish i knew her a little bit better i think it's easier to connect to william because we have a point of reference with him having known him in the normal timeline of Arrow, I guess is the right way to put it. We've met the younger William before he grows up to the older ones, so we kind of have a point of reference. We can be like, oh, this character clicks with me because I remember seeing him as a kid. I can kind of understand how he might have grown up. And we saw Mia as a newborn on screen for a couple minutes, so we never really had that chance to kind of click with her or see a bunch of her in this present time frame to then 
make it more interesting in the future. And remember, for a while there in the future flash forwards, it seemed to be centering more on William than it was anyone else until they shifted and did the reveal, oh, Mia Smoke is really Oliver's daughter, and then she became more the focus of the flash forwards. So I don't think they've given us as much screen time or any enough connective tissue with Mia for us to really be like, oh, she clicks with me so much right now. There's one thing that made me connect to Mia in this episode, and that's when they were transported to the past in the Arrow Cave, and they're standing face-to-face with the original Team Arrow, minus Felicity, and she's standing there, and she's the one that says, Dad? I mean, think of what that means for both of them. Mia's never really had a relationship with her dad. Oliver has never really seen his daughter, and they have this time now together, and they're seeing each other and Oliver's probably got a ton of crap going in his mind with everything going on with crisis and everything and now he's seen this future version of his daughter and we've seen how well Oliver does with like the supernatural and aliens and stuff like that in the past not very well so I'm wondering how the next episode is truly going to go but for Mia that one moment made me very connected to her more so than in the past probably not like the connected ist character on there but that one statement she was the one that said it william didn't say it she was the one who said it. i was like wow i think this is where we get that feel for mia as a character now and kind of understand her point of reference more because the future mia comes back to the time frame we're used to interacting with oliver who has arguably been the central character in 99.9 percent of everything that's gone on here so that's kind of how they can transition us over to feeling like we understand Mia more so by putting her in this fish out of water in the past with her brother and the father that she's only ever heard these stories about. So Oliver Queen's past has been romanticized to some extent, I would imagine, and potentially glossed over some of his uh, lesser traits. I mean, not necessarily purposely, but you tend to gloss over the negatives on someone when they're gone. So now she gets to actually know her father and that's something that we can watch and connect with the both of them be like okay you've got a father-daughter story and then the side story of william having been estranged from his father when he went to go live with his grandparents and then arguably it sounds like not seeing him until he's until after his death there's going to be some heartbreaking things there for all of the uh, queen family i hope they handle it really well i don't know what you thought about last season on flash but eventually, I really liked how they did Nora with Barry and Iris. That was really heartbreaking. Well, it's last season, so, you know, spoiler alert. Because when you are successful in changing the timeline, you can erase yourself. And that's basically what she did. She was successful in changing her timeline, and she erased herself. Well, they're obviously not going to be erasing themselves. Can they change the future to make it a little bit better? Depending on what laws of time travel you think dictate how it works. There's different things we've seen in Star Trek, Avengers Endgame, things like that. I think they're potentially setting it up so that they could rewrite some of their future and return to a star city in the future that might not be as a dystopian and that might not have, I don't know, Zoe dead because they could find a way to cure the rift between JJ and Connor before it ever happens. Well, here's the thing, both in Arrow and Flash, we have seen the future where the universe has basically ceased to exist. And this has had all of us question 
what's going on in these flash forwards. They're meaningless right now because we don't know how crisis is going to end up. But for everything that we're seeing right now, they should not even exist. This is a blip in the storytelling in the Arrowverse. Now having them come back to real time, be able to affect what's going on currently and possibly in their future, I think is a benefit to their story that they're going to tell versus us scratching our heads and going, why are you showing us the spoiler? We have crisis coming. We don't know how it's going to, of course, we know how it's going to end. I mean, everybody's going to be fine because the shows continue to go on, but we don't know how it's going to end for Barry and for Oliver. Again, for Barry, he's probably not leaving the flash, but you get that spoiler of the flash forwards and now we at least have them in the current time so they can affect the future and you're like oh okay now i get why they're here still it's a little bit weird having them come back from the future so i'm not quite sure what the whole thing is you know one of the things i think we talked about last year especially when crisis was coming is we talked about what timeline or perhaps what earth they're from they don't necessarily have to be from the earth now there's obviously another earth where there is an oliver and a felicity with some minor tweaks to it probably so i know it's one of those things it's like are they from the actual future are they from a branch timeline like flashpoint or are they from a different earth we have three possibilities my brain is becoming mushy that's fair, but the inference all along, and this has been an assumption on our parts, you could absolutely be true with your statement there, Michelle, but the inference has been it's been from our current Earth One timeline because you've had Roy come in with the same exact issues. You've had Felicity come in with the same exact issues and then going off with the monitor afterwards at the end of last season. You've had uh, Laurel coming in from Earth 2. We didn't realize what was going on with that in totality, but now we have a little bit better look if this is the same Earth, if it's Earth 1 and the future there. So the inference so far is that it, it has been Earth 1, the future of our current Earth 1. But you're absolutely right. It could be any one of those three possibilities that you mentioned or an infinite Earth's possibility as well. I'm just enjoying the fact that for the past couple weeks, I've been complaining about the fact I didn't really care about the flash forwards, and they found a way to make me care about the flash forwards by taking them and putting them in the now time frame. So now I'm marginally intrigued to see what happens with these characters. Actually, I'll probably get really excited later, but. Because from what it seems like, JJ could have also come back. I believe it was JJ. So Chris didn't see the uh, trailer for next week yet. Yes, uh, it lo definitely looks like the death strokes are in the current time as well. Interesting. Yeah, so this is how they could potentially rehabilitate JJ then, is if he comes back, has to confront his father. His father figures out that there's something that goes wrong in the future, causes him to become the death stroke, and then you undo that fact, or John's cognizant changes the future, and that's what causes Zoe never to be killed, because JJ never becomes death stroke. The other possibility here is you do have young actors as Connor and JJ, so they could also interact with their future selves or something like that. And there, there's a lot of good possibilities at the moment with that future team and with the current actors on set. Because the way they've portrayed JJ is that he didn't want his brother to turn out that way. So 
if you are the older JJ, he comes back in time before any of this happens, I imagine you'd be wanting to try and change the future. So I imagine that's a plot thread that's going to pick up is I can save my brother before he even has any inclination of turning evil. Come to me if you want to live. Yeah. Which is funny because Terminator movie's coming out this weekend. That's why I had to do it. Come on. I don't know if it's going to be any good, though. Probably not. Has Linda Hamilton. With a rocket launcher. And everything. For me, I love Linda Hamilton as the kick-ass version of Sarah Connor. She's back. I think that might be worth the price of admission because I just love her so much. And she's Chuck's mom. <laughs> yeah, this is a very different Linda Hamilton that we saw on Chuck and Defiance, by the way. So I'm really interested in seeing this version of Linda Hamilton. She was working out hard to get into shape for this film. You could just tell, and she wanted to do it. So I'm all set to see this, probably not in the theater, but I'm all set to see it. <laughs> Fair. I know, same here. Me too. <laughs> it's not because I don't like going to the movies. It's because sometimes I don't like going to the movies and I have other stuff to do. And sometimes it's just easier to wait for it to come back on television. Anyway, Chris, is there anything else about the episode you would like to talk about? So Oliver's doing this whole quest, goes to Nandaparbat to try and figure out whether he can trust the monitor. And in the end, the implication is maybe the monitor's as clean as we think he is. Well, it could be that the texts from Nanda Parbat are not referencing the monitor, but the anti-monitor. So something to consider going forward is this doubt that he might be having about the monitor could just be his other self or the other version. SP? This was not the best episode ever, unfortunately. I think they're just suffering from the fact that they only have so many episodes to get through that they're doing a trip down memory lane and that they are ending the show this year. I mean, it is what it is, but all that said, I think they're doing a fantastic job with what they have. You're not seeing, like, Ra's al Ghul wasn't in this, but it was Nanda Parbat, and everything that we've done with Nanda Parbat in the past has been these big, long, epic arcs, and it, we just go there for a weekend, you know, three-day vacation or something like that, and, and just do this little adventure to do Oliver's next quest as he goes on. Yeah, great. I mean, it brought all the gravitas that we've had from the past to it, but it was just it was a, an episode in passing. It wasn't a grand arc, and that's okay. We've got seven seasons of building up to this, so they can do these little one-offs. I'm just saying it wasn't the best episode ever it was a really good episode though and i did like the action it wasn't like the best action ever but it was it was feasible action i love the indiana jones part of it too it's pretty cool i have to admit i really enjoy thea i'm so glad she's back and i know i do have you know the whole harbinger thing with lila but i still love the aspects of everything and and it's going to be an interesting twist with the future and we're going to get more of that next week with Present Tense, it's Season 8, Episode 4. It will air Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. When a mysterious new Deathstroke appears in Star City, Oliver and Team Arrow insist on taking down this villain themselves. Meanwhile, reeling from the loss of one of their own, the future Team Arrow figures out a new way to try and stop JJ. Directed by Kristen Wendell, written by Oscar Balderrama and Gene Wong. Live from the Starling Tribune, Earth 2 Shelter on Earth 1. It's the weekly news roundup with Chief News Anchor Michelle Ely. And now, Michelle Ely. Well, 
If you're enjoying Batwoman, there's some good news for you. The CW's Batwoman has received a full season one order with the network granting the DC series a back nine order. Batwoman has outperformed much of the CW lineup during its first season. Where Batwoman has made a significant impression is on digital streaming with Batwoman gaining an 80% jump. Ow. I will say if you haven't picked up Batwoman yet, this is a perfect time to. There's only been so many episodes. You can get them all available on the CW app. I would get caught up with Batwoman. It's a great show. If you like Arrow, you're going to like Batwoman. I'm not the biggest Batman fan in the world. I've discovered that about myself in the process of doing this show, actually, and the Christopher Nolan Batman series. I'm just not a fan of that type of Batman, and I realize a lot of people are. That's fine. That's great. Uh, But Batwoman will scratch your Batman itch right now, and I would greatly advocate for you to pick it up if you haven't already. I'm having fun watching it. I'm not having fun like dissecting it. Maybe that's the difference here between Arrow and and Batwoman for me personally. Yes, I'm enjoying both, but Batwoman's like this, ooh, new shiny thing, and they're doing a good job with it, so I enjoy it. Chris, you have news about another possible show. Yes, because they need more superhero shows on the CW. There aren't enough, but TV Line has kind of gotten a scoop that a Superman and Lois series is in development at the CW. This will star Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch reprising their roles of Clark Kent slash Superman and Lois Lane that we had seen in Supergirl. TV Line learned that the Superman and Lois from Warner Bros. TV is currently in development and will follow the world's most famous superhero and comic book's most famous journalist as they deal with all the stress pressures and complexities that come along with being working parents in today's society. Tyler Hoechlin, who originated the role of the Arrowverse Superman on Supergirl and Elizabeth Tulloch, who made her debut as Lois in last year's Elseworlds crossover event, will reprise their roles for the prospective new series. So we can kind of look at Crisis as a potential backdoor pilot for this spinoff show. And, you know, I think this is a spinoff I'm more excited about than I was the Arrow show set in the future. I just, like I said, the future wasn't clicking with me. We talked about when Tyler Hoechlin first appeared as Superman in the crossover. I was like, man, he's really good in this. I'm curious to see where they go with it. And it kind of echoes what they're doing in the comics now, because if you've been reading the current comic book version of Superman, it is Lois, Clark, and their son, Jonathan, that are featured as the main characters in the book. So it could be really interesting. I'm going to be curious to see how they exist in the same universe as Supergirl without always relying on Clark or Kyra going back and forth to each other's shows when they have big problems. You're assuming that Supergirl is still going to be around. I assume they like making money, so they're not going to kill off Supergirl. That would be a huge backlash, that whole getting rid of Supergirl to make room for Superman. Yeah, that's not going to be good for the CW. I think Batwoman and Supergirl are going to be fine because Supergirl has her own set of enemies. Superman has its own set of enemies. I'm concerned about Black Lightning and Legends. Oh, yeah, they're done. I agree. They're they're both done. But I was just pointing that out. And in the future, if they're making trade space, you know, Supergirl hasn't receive the best of ratings not the worst but it's not the best of ratings so just keep that in mind as things progress if you're a fan of all these shows i don't think supergirl is 100 percent safe you got characters leaving you've got catco basically in disarray you know 
I won't get into the troubles of the storyline of Supergirl. Yes, I agree. Supergirl as a character is much needed, but the show itself is stuttering. And yes, I think Superman and Lois is coming on board. CW has quietly been doing this. This is not out of the blue, by the way. This is not them saying, ooh, we're doing so great this fall with Crisis coming up. Let's do this Superman show. This started last year when the Flash showrunner left. And then they said, here you go. Here's a new project. We're going to give you Superman. This has been in development for at least six to nine months. This is not out of the blue. I think that Supergirl as a show, granted, I'm very far behind, but I've read what's been going on and heard some of the complaints and I've gone through the subreddits. Sounds like it would be a show best served by cutting down their order from 22 episodes to maybe a 13 episode arc so they can kind of condense things into a smaller thing. And I would like to see them do that with more shows of the superhero variety, knock them down to 13 episode arcs so you can have one in the fall, one in the spring, and you could potentially do Supergirl in the fall, then Superman takes the time slot in the spring something like that, that could be interesting, but it doesn't really lend itself very well to crossovers. I honestly think with the number of superhero shows that they're looking at doing on the CW, if they're not canceling but one or two of them, they're going to have to start looking at shorter seasons to try and fit everything on there. I also think that with Arrow, see, the the whole Berlantiverse, and I will call it that right now because Greg Berlanti really started everybody down this path we call it the arrowverse i've been corrected by the creative team of everybody by the way too it is the arrowverse but it started as a blanche verse now it's the arrowverse with arrow gone and oliver not being like the main starting character yes it's been the flash it's been the green arrow it's been supergirl for a while as being the three main characters but with oliver gone arguably like the aged leader of everything then the universe has to turn to somebody. Yeah, it could be the Flash, but they're pulling out the big guns. The only other big gun that they've got that they could pull out right now is Batman, and they're not going to do that, at least not yet, So, especially with Batwoman around. So they pull out Superman, an existing character they already have with an existing fan base, and this is going to be their big gun going forward. This is going to be, hey, look at us. We're doing an actual Superman show. You need to come watch this stuff. Whether it's streaming on their app or it's live TV, I don't care. It Whatever works for them, right? Just get them the viewers back to the CW into the Berlantiverse or whatever they're going to call it after Arrow. And this is their attempt to say, we are here, we are here to stay, come watch our shows, these are good. If they're going with a Superman TV show, it makes you wonder if they have no plans for an upcoming Superman movie of any kind. Because we've seen before when it comes to these television programs, like they took Deathstroke off the table and they took the Suicide Squad off the table because they had movie plans for them and told them, you can't use these characters. If they're going to let them do Superman as more than just a once in a while appearance and get his own television series, does that mean there's no plans for the DC universe to do another Superman feature flick? I mean, rumor is Henry Cavill is sort of under contract, but they haven't been able to come to any agreement for coming back and he's got the Witcher series coming up. So this seems to indicate to me, don't expect any Superman movies in the near future. So reports came out that he was leaving the Superman role, and I know it's still a kind of an ongoing saga, but it was around the September timeframe of 2018. It's about a year, a little bit more than a year ago. I think at that point in time, there was talks between Warner Brothers and CW, and Warner Brothers probably gave CW the green light go ahead at that point in time. And honestly, 
I think they've made a clean break in the DC universe where you've got the CW DC universe and you've got the movies and they're separate. They're not hashtag. It's all connected like Marvel tried to do. And ultimately, I believe in the end failed and we can get into that later. But I think that's the timeline. You had Henry Cavill say, eh, I don't know if I'm coming back. And then you had Warner Brothers and CW say, well, if you're not going to use Superman over there, we could use them over here. And to be fair, they have actually pulled it off before with a Superman TV series and a movie at the same time, because I do believe 2006's Superman Returns occurred at the exact same time that Smallville was still airing on the CW. So it has happened. Was Superman in the cape in Smallville? No. See, that's the difference. He didn't fly or have the cape until the very final episode, and my heart burned to this day, and I've complained on this show, is we never actually saw Tom Welling in the suit, and that's what I'm hoping we finally get in Crisis, and I think that's why they have showed nothing of him on set other than a snapshot on uh, Erica Drance's uh, uh, Instagram, and I believe one other photo where he's wearing flannel, and there is a photo of uh, Tyler Hoechlin and Brandon Routh we've seen where it looks like you could easily have a third person there. And they don't. So they're doing a very, very good job of keeping any pictures of Tom Willing potentially in a Superman suit out of anyone's hands. But you see what I'm saying, right? Is that you had one Superman in the cape and one kind of playing Superman, but not actually in the cape during the show series. So this would be a change in that if they did have two, but I, I don't think it's... You're absolutely right. We've had these issues with Arrow before with the Suicide Squad Harley Quinn, we never got to see really on the show and uh, Deadshot, which arguably you can say which one was the better Deadshot, the one that we got narrow or the Will Smith version, but because Will Smith wasn't bad as Deadshot, but it was definitely Will Smith as Deadshot. It wasn't like Deadshot as played by Will Smith. Anyway, you're, you're talking about the award winning Suicide Squad movie, right? Academy Award winning. Unfortunately, I am. And I. To this day, I wonder how many people that DC paid off in order to get that honor. <laughs> anyway, speaking of award-winning DC shows, I have news about HBO Max. They're going to air every live-action DC comic superhero film. It'll be available within the first year of the streaming service's May 2020 launch. This includes every Batman and Superman movie from the last 40 years. So if you get HBO Max, you can watch the Academy Award winning Suicide Squad anytime you want. Yay. Okay. We have had a very long conversation on Discord as well as in private chats about the fact, and, and this is a personal thing for me, that I do not understand the various versions of HBO and HBO streaming. And I think this is a failure. And it's not just me. You know, I'm an intelligent person. I really haven't looked into that all that much. And I, yes, I have a general idea, but it's like, what is the difference between HBO Go, HBO Max, HBO Now, HBO on K? What is the difference between all this? I'm seriously, your average consumer is like, I already have HBO. Why do I have to get HBO Max? They are in a world of poo when it comes to how they've branded this name wise but that's not unheard of when it comes to their other tv streaming service they went from like direct tv now to at&t now when they had an at&t next service or something but to try and clarify hbo go is if you have a cable subscription you get hbo through you can access hbo go hbo now is if you're a cord cutter like myself and you want to watch hbo legitimately 
you can subscribe to the HBO Now service, which is just basically a streaming version of HBO in their entire back catalog. And then HBO Next, or Maxed rather, you just branded a new one. Tomorrow they're going to go to HBO Next, now available. Like, what? That's the problem. And HBO Max is their new streaming service that's, think of it as a Netflix, Disney Plus competitor where they're supposed to have a boatload of shows. They paid huge money, like $500 million for the streaming rights to South Park. They have the entire back catalog of Big Bang Theory. But where it gets confusing is if you're an AT&T customer of some level, so certain AT&T wireless subscribers will get it for free. They seem to indicate that if you subscribe to HBO, you get HBO Now and HBO Now, excuse me, HBO Max and HBO Max has all the same content that's on regular channel based HBO. So if assuming I've read these things correctly, since I subscribe to HBO Now, which is the streaming service that is for cord cutters effectively, I should get HBO Max as part of that subscription. But effectively, if I want to make my life simpler and not juggle multiple things, I should cancel my account with HBO Now and start an HBO Max account because they're the same price and provide the same content. And then I'm not juggling two different services. I have no idea. They really need to clarify this as we get closer to launch on it. The cool thing is every, li every live action DC film on there, I assume they'll get the animated ones on there as well. I assume that we'll get the rest of the CW shows on there. They did say it would be the exclusive home for Batwoman, for instance. So if you get it for no additional charge, like it looks like I'm going to, I'm totally okay with that. If I was having to pay for it on top of my HBO service, I'd be like, I don't care enough about that. But it's included, I think. If you're a geek, here's another reason to invest in hbo max doctor who is no longer streaming on bbc america they've switched over to hbo max so if you're a doctor who fan you can no longer see the current running version on bbc or anywhere on cable you're going to have to go to hbo max and i was scratching my head about because that decision was made long before any of this other dc stuff came out and stuff i was like so now i'm just not going to watch Doctor Who. And I've been watching Doctor Who since I was a little boy. I, I grew up with Tom Baker. And now I have, there's another announcement that we'll talk about in a little bit. But now I have all these options with HBO Max, not just Doctor Who. It's not like CBS All Access, where the only reason I would get CBS All Access is Star Trek. There's more reasons for HBO Max. So I might be considered, I might actually cut the cord and do like a combo HBO max and Disney plus, and we'll see what else, but yeah, this is getting close to, we can cut the cord and possibly reduce that total entertainment bill in my house by doing a selective things. I know it's a slippery road and Michelle, you did a whole thing about it. The only thing you got to be aware of if you do that is cable, you can keep adding cable boxes and pay what an extra 10 bucks per one, depending on where you stream, you're limited to the number of active streams you can have at one time. That's on Hulu, that's on Netflix, that's on HBO Max and Disney Plus and all of these things. And it varies from service to service. Like, I think I'm paying the Netflix plan that I can have four concurrent streams at a time. But if a fifth one comes on, no dice, it doesn't get to work. And I know you have a lot of people that have made use of services and television in your house from what you've said. So be aware of that. I'm an empty nester now. Oh, you're good then. Just kick them out and don't give them the passwords. You get to watch whatever you want. I have been considering changing <laughs> some passwords. As a matter of fact, Chris and uh, you and I have exchanged some information recently. It's like, uh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with some people having my passwords <laughs> on the certain. You know what I'm talking about, right, Chris? 
I do. I have his access to stephencam.com <laughs> yeah, so I can watch okay. Stephen John Drew doing his editing live and it it wasn't that it was it was something yeah anyway we're not going to get into it but the point is uh yeah i'm i'm actually good with that now yes i could continue to give my passwords out but i've got one graduated from college one about to graduate from college so i don't need all that many streams anymore but you're absolutely right with people that do have like 10 kids in the house or something outrageous like that you're going to tap out on the streams that you have available for disney plus or whatever and also remember internet. It was just recently that my internet improved. So now I could think about it, but before I couldn't at all. And there's a lot of other people who are like me who live in like these internet dead zones or very slow speeds. And it's going to, you know, impact them, especially if you are a Greg Berlanti fan, because this is my last piece of news. It's also tied to HBO Max because. Greg Berlanti just must be bored because, hey, he's got more shows coming. Uh, he's, yeah, television super producer Greg Berlanti's ever-expanding screen interpretation of the DC Comics universe is going cosmic with two new series for the HBO Max streaming platform, Strange Adventures and a Green Lantern-inspired show. Quote, both of these original DC properties will be creating for HBO Max will be unlike anything seen on television, said Berlanti, who announced both projects Tuesday at the HBO Max Warner Media Day presentation. An anthology series of cautionary tales set in a world where superpowers exist and in what promises to be our biggest DC show ever made, we will be going to space with a Green Lantern television series, but I can't reveal any more about that just yet, and that Green Lantern show better star David Ransby <laughs> we were all thinking it yes i was gonna bring that up i'm like it's gotta star david ramsey now it might not right right but if it did that would be awesome better come on he's a free agent as far as i'm concerned i don't think he would really want to go to the future next generation arrow show whatever they end up calling it i would love to see him in this and also as we discussed before, doing a Green Arrow live action show is very difficult on a CW budget. We mentioned that other streaming services out there like HBO or Netflix or Prime might have the budget to actually produce the special effects that are needed for this show. And so for the show to be on HBO Max, it's almost like we called it last episode. And for the show to be on HBO Max, that'd be great. We were talking about having an animated show on CWC just because you can't do it on the actual CW. I think you could do it uh, appropriately on HBO Max. And I think it would redeem Green Arrow to, or excuse me, Green Lantern to a lot of people that just can't get over that movie. I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but I'm, I wasn't a hardcore Green Lantern fan at that time. I became a Green Lantern fan after the movie. That's the only version I have in the comics, of course. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm actually, this is real possibility now for me to get HBO Max is because of the Green Lantern. So the nice thing here is they've been setting up the new HBO service to be a competitor to Netflix and Disney Plus like we've talked about. Bob Iger has kind of come out and said in regards to The Mandalorian on Disney Plus that episodes per episode range between, what was it, 12 to $15 million per episode? That would make sense, yeah. I mean, it's like Game of Thrones money, right? Yeah. So if you're trying to be equivalent to what Disney is doing with their stuff and Netflix is doing with their exclusives, 
You could arguably say if you want to do Green Lantern right, you're getting somewhere between 10 to $15 million an episode. And for a TV budget, I imagine you could probably pull off some pretty awesome special effects, which is intriguing to see where they'll go with this. And I, for one, can't wait to see David Ramsey in a Green Lantern suit. It's not just the money with special effects, it's the time. Producing an episode every eight days like they do during this normal season on television broadcast or linear TV, as you might want to call it in cable, it is difficult to get those special effects in. I've seen it in sci-fi shows before. They try to limit the total number of special effects, and you will see, well, they save the budget from show to show. Well, yes, there is a cost, but there's also a time factor to bring in the special effects as well. We saw it even on, uh, we're all, all three of us are fans of Battlestar Galactica. We saw episodes where there were no special effects because, well, they just couldn't afford it in terms of time to get the episode out. So having a special effects laden show on a streaming service where you have nine months to produce it before you start actually airing it i think is a benefit to us as consumers because we get a better end product and also bear in mind i would be shocked if we were talking like a 22 episode order for these streaming services a lot of these things you're talking like 10 to 12 episodes they do let a mini season when you compare it to american seasons because you can split things up more equitably and then manage your production costs a little bit better. So if this Green Lantern show is one of those ones they say, hey, we need you to have episodes ready 10 months from now, yay, verily, go forth and get started. They can start filming, then have plenty of time to do the special effects after the fact. I mean, take a look at the second best show on the BBC is Doctor Who. The first was Top Gear for a long, long time. I'm pretty sure they're flip-flopping at this point in time because Top Gear is kind of suffering uh, due to a variety of things that I don't want to get into right here, but uh, Doctor Who, it was always supposed to be cheesy sci-fi to begin with, but they're in a new era where they're trying to get better and better and, and more into the actual competitive, real sci-fi that's out there today, and they need the time and the money to do it. BBC can throw that money into it and and make it better, and it's again, it's better for everybody, so... Yeah, just follow on your point there, Chris, is, is possible. We'll see what actually happens. We'll see how many of these series actually bankrupt some of these services because they're going to need subscribers to continue to make the streaming services viable. I wonder when DC Universe is going to be folded in on this because it has like what, Titans? And that's about it? Probably within six months of this new HBO series launching, they're probably going to have to fold that service because all of their live content and video content is basically in the HBO service. The only thing that's different for the DC Universe Online is you get access to digital comics. I'm not sure that there's enough of a draw for people to be like, well, I can spend 10 bucks a month for DC Universe, get a small subset of these television shows and comics, or I can spend 15 bucks and get all HBO content and then the entire HBO Max back catalog and new stuff they're making. It's a tough sell. It's already been kind of a tough sell for a lot of folks on that DC streaming service as it is. Indeed. Well, I think we're all talked about about news this week, and we really wanted to get some of the feedback that our listeners had given us this past week. And honestly, all three of us wanted to talk about this feedback throughout the entire show. But I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to talk about in the feedback because this was awesome feedback for us. So last episode, I asked the off the cuff question because I was sure I heard a quote before. We had a listener or a viewer actually on YouTube get back to us. Pea fruit. Thank you very much. Pea fruit, by the way. And she said, 
quote, we honor the dead by fighting and you are not done fighting, unquote, is a Felicity line. I can't believe I missed that, by the way. It's what she told Oliver in season two, episode 22 during the clock tower scene. So I knew I had heard it before, but it was Peafruit that was able to bring it out. And thank you very much for that, Peafruit. She went on to state... Also, Batwoman is on Earth-1 during Elseworlds. Oliver ran and Kara flew there from Star City. They didn't use a breach device. Oliver said they never mentioned it because the city is horrible. So thank you very much, Peafruit. You refreshed all three of our memories, and it was awesome having that this week. I saw that come in. I was like, ooh, that is awesome, Peafruit. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. We also had an email from our listener, David, and he said, can I say I called it and that's how the flash forwards connect to the crisis. David, absolutely. We'll go with it. You called it. Well done, sir. You can have this one. We're going to let you exactly. Have so thank you, everyone, for the feedback. That being said, it is time for start wrapping up this installment of the Starling Tribune. So big thank you to the live listeners who participated over at Geeks.Live and in the chat room. But also a thank you to everyone who downloads the episodes over at StarlingTribune.com. Don't forget, if you've missed this live episode or you want to watch any of the old ones, you can head on over to the official Gonna Geek YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Gonna Geek and check out the entire back catalog of Starling Tribune video episodes and all of the other video content the Gonna Geek Network has to provide. If you want to talk to us about all this great DC news that's coming out before Crisis and geek out over stuff with us, on crisis we are constantly talking thanks to links from michelle and chris on our discord server and you can find that at guineageek.com discord come join go into the starling tribune channel and talk away about these shows it's it's a fun time to be podcasting about the dc tv shows and remember you can always talk to us live in our chat room as we record at www.geeks.live at 7 30 p.m eastern and 4 30 p.m pacific on thursdays including some holidays like halloween we would love to hear from you we're the starlight tribune on facebook and instagram at starlight tribune on twitter and you can call us at 612-888-CAVE that's 612-888-2283 well this brings us to the end of another great episode any last words before we sign off at stargate pioneer hashtag league of heroes at the chris farrell hashtag they killed renee's kid hoss r.i.p zoe for now. And I am at Michelle Ely signing off with hashtag mountainside brother sister bonding. Oracle, I think we're done here. This was the Starling Tribune. You can leave us feedback at gunnageek.com or check out our archive at starlingtribune.com. Visit gunnageek.com for more podcasts. Music by Kevin McLeod can be found at incompetech.com. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, stories, and situations are the property of Time Warner. No infringement is intended. We will see you for the next episode of CW's Arrow.